Full send with the driver? Check. Piercing iron through the wind? Check. Low checker, high spinner, flop to a tight pin? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all. The all-new TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern, engineered for more distance, more control around the green, and better stability in the wind, it's the hottest tour ball in golf. So no matter what shot you face, there's one ball that's better for all. The TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. As I'm sure you know, Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks, but you may not know about all of the other content that they offer. So we are providing you with a free trial if you go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, and you can explore for yourself and uh, be amazed at the incredible content that is available for your listening pleasure. This podcast continues to uh, be recognized as a great resource for small business owners, sales professionals, business leaders. Uh, We find ourselves on um, a bunch of lists of the best podcasts to listen to Uh, including uh, recently 12 business podcasts people should be listening to on Forbes.com. And that is because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no different. My guest today is Dana Lindahl. Dana is the founder of Legendary Lead Gen, one of the first outbound-focused marketing agencies. He and his team have been helping business-to-business service companies and marketing agencies grow since 2014. His specialty is in helping companies set sales appointments with their ideal prospects, as well as establishing them as an authority within their industry. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dana. Thanks, Diane. I'm really excited to talk all things lead generation and responsible use of LinkedIn. (laughs) I love that. Okay. (laughs) We're going to start with the responsible use of LinkedIn. So would you please explain to the listeners what you mean by that? I think the easier way to explain this would be to explain First, the irresponsible use of LinkedIn, which is what's actually much more pervasive right now, which is 
the type of things that your listeners are probably so sick of getting to their inboxes, which is somebody connects with them and minutes to a day later, they receive some sort of templated pitch into their inbox that is not targeted at them at all. And it doesn't even take into account whether that person might need or appreciate what's being said to them. And that's, I would say, the approach that about 80 to 90% of people who are doing quote unquote lead generation on LinkedIn are taking these days. And it's really unfortunate because LinkedIn is a great place to connect with other B2B, specifically for B2B, but just other people in business. It's a great place to learn. It's a great place to network. And this is even doubly so in the times of reduced networking in COVID-19 times. So I really feel like a lot of people are doing themselves a disservice by reaching out in such a way that makes people remember them as the type of person who did not approach the other party in a way that is respectful. And unlike other channels, such as, for example, cold email and, and cold calling has been around for a long time. Uh, but with those, it's difficult to actually see directly who it is who is messaging you or contacting you without doing your own homework and trying to click through and find out more information with them. On LinkedIn, your face and your profile and everything connected to your company is right there visible. So when you reach out to someone and you don't put your best foot forward, it's easy for them to remember that and to walk away with a bad impression of who you are. Uh, so there's my you know quick explanation of what not to do. Uh, but I want to run through and we can go into a lot more detail on each of these specific things. But my version and my philosophy on what works well and what is a responsible way to use LinkedIn for the generation encompasses a couple of different things. First is growing your network, simply connecting with people who are either, they could be a good fit for you to have as clients, but to advance your network and the people that you know and can get connected with. Uh, LinkedIn has a different way of showing things to people and using their algorithm than the other social networks. So for example, on Facebook, if you scroll through your newsfeed, you see your friends and maybe you see something from friends of friends, but that's about it. That's where it stops. On LinkedIn, you'll scroll through your newsfeed and you'll see your connections. And then you also see your connections, connections, and your connections, connections, connections. It's kind of the best type of exponential growth that we can hope for in 2020 because the other types of exponential growth that we've been experiencing have all been related to the virus. And that's <laughs> not <laughs> what we really want. Uh, but LinkedIn is really a multiplier effect. When you add somebody to your network, your first degree network, their whole first degree network now becomes your second degree network. So if you add someone who has a large network themselves, you've now just added maybe 10,000 people to your second degree network. This is 10,000 more people who have a possibility to see your content when you post it. And LinkedIn being the content deficient platform that it is, I believe the statistic is that less than 1% of their user base is actually posting regularly. They're showing this content to so many more people than you can reach on then on the other social networks. Besides that, the way that the algorithm works is based on, like I said, your connections and that's based on interest. It's not just, oh, I know this person in real life. They live in my same hometown and we go out for beers together sometimes like Facebook or, or Instagram or something like that. 
The other side of this though is by reaching out to people and growing this network so that we can have access to other people's networks as well. It's very tempting to be able to just reach out and say, Hey, here's what my company does. Are you interested to get on a call with me so I can potentially sell you my services? And some people are not really putting it through much more of a thin veil than that. They're really reaching out and just saying that. And it's tempting because you can see that this person is a good fit to become a client. But I think a much better approach is to reach out and actually be helpful, share helpful content. Hey, I noticed that you're in this industry. We actually just wrote a blog post about how people in your industry can improve their conversion rate. I thought it would be interesting to you. Another thing that works really well is, hey, as an expert in your industry, I'd really love to get your feedback about this piece of content that I wrote. It works well to stroke the other party's ego a little bit. You establish them as an authority. They like that. And they're incentivized to provide you some feedback. This helps you to improve in your content marketing process, but it also gains you exposure because that person might not have just clicked the link by saying, hey, go check out my content. Wow, that's a great idea. Wow, I never would have thought of that. And, and I'm sorry, would you say again what the percentages of LinkedIn users who are posting re regularly? I would need to double check of what's accurate today, well, but the last time I checked, about three months ago or so, it was less than 1% of their user base is posting regularly. I imagine that's changed due to networking pretty much having vanished for yeah. <laughs> the first half of this year. So a lot of more people have taken to LinkedIn and started posting things regularly. But about three months ago, it was less than 1% of the user that's base. That's insane. Was yeah, compare this to Facebook where probably 50% of the people are posting on a daily basis. Yeah. Wow. That, that, add to that, oh, oh. sorry, but uh, no, add to that the, uh, the fact that LinkedIn is the average intent of a person on LinkedIn is not to just scroll through their newsfeed and look at cat pictures and memes and things like that. It's, you know, people who want to actually network with others. They want to learn. They want to share. They want to grow. So I don't see a lot of political type posts on LinkedIn. I don't see people arguing about whether we should end the lockdown or open things up or, you know, what's going on in politics right now. It's not the place for it. And it's actually very refreshing to be able to scroll through my newsfeed and get a lot of information from people who I, I can trust and I can learn more about them and their business directly because you can't trust information from everybody. Obviously some people are just posting things with a self-serving interest. So it's a really good way to go through find some new information, learn new things, and directly be able to see the background of somebody to know, ah, I really should trust what this person's saying because I can see they've been in this industry for 20 years and they're well-established. There's people who are giving them recommendations compared to something like going through a Facebook group for a certain business topic where people are throwing you information from all different angles. And it's a little bit difficult to pick through, you know, whether you should actually trust somebody's advice because you can't quite tell if they've done it themselves just by looking through their Facebook profile. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. So, so if someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, and, and now I have time. And so I should be creating an outbound strategy. How do they go about that? So I always recommend for people to start with sales navigator, but not to rely on it fully. And for anyone who isn't familiar, Sales Navigator is a premium version of LinkedIn. 
they don't do a great job at differentiating their product offerings, to be honest, yeah. because they have LinkedIn premium and then they have another premium version of LinkedIn called Sales Navigator. But Sales Navigator does two things for you. One is it allows you to use all of the filters that they have simultaneously. I think there's 30 plus filters and you'd rarely need to use all of them, but you only get about five, I believe, on the free version and you get a few more on premium. Beyond that, Sales Navigator allows you to tag people and arrange them. And it also gives you a little bit more leniency of reaching out to people at scale. If you start to do this without a Sales Navigator account, LinkedIn will sort of slap your wrist and say, hey, you're reaching out to too many people. It's not really an official warning. They're unofficially paid to play in that regard. They want you to be using their tool if you're going to be doing that. It also acts as a CRM, but it's a pretty bad CRM. And I recommend using a, a third-party CRM to arrange things, even if that does make things a little bit more difficult. But Sales Navigator is a great product for being able to find people who are in your target market or just going to be good people to have in your network who could maybe refer clients to you or that you could get in touch with for a strategic partnerships. A lot of people I think take a very short-sighted approach and they just look at it as who is my client and how can I find more of them on LinkedIn? When really a good lever uh, for growth is to be able to connect with people who can help you get in touch with more of those people who are going to become your clients and have it be mutually beneficial. So Sales Navigator allows for the ability to really dial down and target whoever it is that you want to be looking for. I add the caveat to this though, that you shouldn't just rely on the results that Sales Navigator is giving you because their product is sort of incentivized to show you as many leads as possible. So you kind of get to the bottom of one of these lists or even you know a few pages into it and things aren't really that targeted anymore. So I always recommend to not just spin up a sales navigator list, throw it into an automation tool and just say, go. That's where you get a lot of this bad outreach and things that just annoy people in your target market or in your network. I recommend spinning up this list and then going through it by hand and applying tags to it so that you're actually making sure that each outreach that you do to the other person makes sense both to you and more importantly to them is intentional with a specific goal, but there can also be mutual benefit to both of you by reaching out. Boy, I, I, I really um, like that a lot. And part of what I think is so valuable about this is that it, it's a common sense approach. You know, you're, you're not sitting here saying, all you have to do is this and totally automate it. And it'll be unbelievable and incredible. You're saying you, you really have to give it thought and pay attention to the results. And one of the things, you know, this thing about it being a bad CRM, what I find so funny about that is that the reason that Microsoft bought it was so it could be a CRM because Microsoft's CRM was so terrible. So yeah. you know, I wonder if they're ever going to be able to fix that. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe there's a connection. Their CRM was bad to begin with so that they made Sales Navigator and made the CRM there worse. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. But I, it's, it's a real thorn in, in my side and a lot of people who use LinkedIn extensively where they don't want you to be using any form of an automation tool for anything. Uh, they frequently suspend, ban, warn users who are sending things out using automations. And in my opinion, that's a good thing 
uh, we need a more thoughtful approach here. It, it ruins the, the whole process for everybody when people are using it irresponsibly because it makes it so that people just tune you out even when you have something good to say. But when people use Sales Navigator as their CRM, they come up with so many limitations and they wanna get this data out into another place. But LinkedIn also bans the, the use of exporting data from Sales Navigator. There's tools that can do it. I'm of the personal opinion, and they've never gone on record to say this, that it's actually more of a GDPR thing where wow. LinkedIn is the data controller and they have all this data. And if you use it irresponsibly, they're actually going to be the ones who receive fines for the data being used irresponsibly. So they don't want you to be extracting data from there. So it makes it difficult because you can't just, you can, but you'll, you could get banned for trying to attach some tools to extract things out. I always recommend for people to, once it's time to move the conversation off of LinkedIn, then get people into a regular CRM that's more full featured and use LinkedIn as a good way to get in touch with people, start a conversation, go back and forth a little bit and make sure that there's mutual interest, move things to email or a call. And then it's much easier to manage the whole relationship in a more traditional CRM. Yeah, boy, that makes a lot of sense. I like that a lot. Okay. So um, do you think this applies to any industry or is it, is it really more relevant for B2B than for B2C? It's a really interesting question. So before moving to LinkedIn, a lot of my experience was in cold email. And that is absolutely a B2B only scenario. It's actually illegal to send a cold email to a consumer. You can't be Coca-Cola and email people at their residence and say, hey, would you like to buy a few bottles of Coca-Cola? It would be terribly expensive as a way of marketing for one thing, but it's just illegal. Uh, you cannot do that. What you can do is you can reach out to other businesses and say, hey, would you like to distribute our product? So LinkedIn is a little bit different where they don't have the same sort of constraints. Basically by joining the network, you agree to be contacted by other people. It also is a good way to get around GDPR as well if you're in the EU. Uh, people have agreed to be contacted as a part of their, their user agreement with LinkedIn. So it can work for B2C, but I really don't see it as a good fit for that. The way B2C companies can use this best is finding other strategic partners for distribution and things like that. I love that idea. I think that is a great idea. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that, that makes a, a lot of sense if they can connect and build relationships with other companies that are dealing with their ultimate client base. Yeah. Wow. Or even just connecting with other companies where you could do a, a crossover promotion. It generally wouldn't work as well for companies who are direct competitors, but companies who are complementary to each other, they can run an advertising campaign together. It's a great yeah. place to just get in touch with those companies. So I wouldn't say that B2C companies are completely precluded from being able to use these methods, but it wouldn't work so well to go after the direct end customer. That being said, I'm a big fan of these sorts of growth levers where you can get in touch with one person who can massively grow your business by having a network or just the right connections to 
gets you in front of the right people. And that applies both B2B or B2C. Yeah, boy, no kidding. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, I am going to take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. And while audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles in uh, you know all sorts of genres, what you may not know is that they also have audible originals, podcasts, guided meditations, and more. It's like, if you can listen to it, you're probably going to be able to find it on audible.com. For me, these days, the guided meditations are pretty valuable, as well as uh, the audio books. And one of the benefits is that all of that content is in one place. I don't have to go to different places to get the stuff that I need. I think you're going to find uh, the same sort of value in audible.com. So if you are not already a user or a subscriber, uh, sign up for our free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, get your free trial and just explore. Explore the audiobooks and the programs and see what really uh, resonates with you. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised and, and enjoy it a lot. Uh, today we're speaking with Dana Lindahl about outbound lead generation. So um, when we were talking before about you know B2C and, and GDPR, I'm wondering what the risks are that companies should avoid when they're running an outbound campaign? There's a few. Uh, there's a few outwardly facing risks and there's a few internal risks. I would say that the biggest outwardly facing risk is just damaging your reputation in front of people who could have been potential customers and advocates for your company. Like I said earlier, it doesn't take much to annoy somebody with a non-tactful outreach or a non-thoughtful outreach and they can just click through and see exactly who you are and what company you work with and that you know really turns me off uh i even sometimes will receive calls from people and when i pick up they identify themselves and i say well how did you how did you get my number oh we just connected on linkedin two days ago and i just can't help but think like and you thought it was appropriate to just pick up the phone and and quasi cold to call me after that. And it really turns me off. And I I come from an outbound background. It's it's not like I'm, I'm totally against reaching out to somebody with a value proposition. It's just that sort of thing really ruins their reputation in my eyes. It happened to me the other day. And I said, look, I, I really think that this is not an above board way for you to get in touch with me. I really don't appreciate this. And he said, that's fine. I don't think that's something that we can't work through. And I said, it is for me. And I I hung up because I, I just, I was being interrupted in the middle of my day and they basically took, we connected on LinkedIn to be an invitation to call me directly. So did you disconnect from them? Did you go back on the LinkedIn and disconnect? I actually couldn't find them on my LinkedIn. I think they were just using that as a, as a hook to, to get in there. Uh, But I have had it where I've connected with someone and within minutes, like literally 15 minutes, I received a call 
And they're like, yeah, I'm the guy who just sent you a message, connection request on LinkedIn. And I wanted to let you know that we're having this promotion right now. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. You just connected with me on LinkedIn and, and you really thought that that was an invitation to call me directly outright. And I, on the one hand, who knows what's actually going on in that company, whether, you know, the sales manager is, is telling right. people to do this and, right. or if it's just a sales guy who's gone rogue and he wants to do it on his own, but this can absolutely damage your reputation. I won't mention the name of this company who I, I picked up for this week, but I've, I've actually seen them online since then. And I just know I, I don't really want a lot to do with that company. Yeah. And so that's a big risk is you can just go out there and annoy people in your target market. Uh, you know, any single person that you meet at a conference, connect with on LinkedIn, get introduced to by a mutual connection, any one person can have a massive effect on your business, depending on how you approach the relationship. Not everybody can, of course, but you never know who these people are. So if you're just kind of doing things in mass and not sending out something that's personal or that, that might annoy the other person, you could actually be losing so much more in revenue than you stand to gain just by getting a new customer through these tactics. So that's how you can run through some risks on uh, the outwardly facing side. On the internal side, you can just get banned. You can get your, your LinkedIn account banned or suspended or uh, a really popular, not popular, but something that's really common lately is people are starting to get restricted and their LinkedIn account mostly works fine, except in order for them to send new connection requests to people, they need to input that person's email address. And lots of people use a personal email for their LinkedIn. Uh, they, <laughs> we've onboarded a lot of customers and we realize, are you really using a hotmail.com address to sign in for LinkedIn? They still have hotmail.com <laughs> and you're never going to guess someone's hotmail.com address. So from my side of things, like I, I mentioned earlier, you stand to lose so much more in revenue than you stand to gain by getting one or two customers. If you can't get in touch with people or someone tells you, Oh, Hey, I'm on LinkedIn, go connect with me here. And you have to say, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't connect with people because I now need an email address to connect with new people. That doesn't make you look like a very responsible person or someone who's doing good things to grow their business. Right. And I've talked with people who have gotten this restriction and LinkedIn generally will remove that restriction for you as a one-time courtesy. And they'll tell you if you have this happen to you again, and it's based on if you connect with someone and they click the, I don't know button. And that happens too many times. Like, I don't know this person. If that happens to you too many times, they restrict your account. So you need an email address to connect with them. So they'll unblock you. They'll remove that restriction as a one-time courtesy, but if it ever happens again, it's permanent. Wow. And I've had people come to me and say, hey, I got this restriction. They removed it from me. How can I continue to do outreach at scale to people and still run the same sort of campaigns without this risk? And I tell them, don't. Yeah. It's not worth it to lose that ability to connect with new people who could grow your business, not necessarily by just buying your services. Right. And a lot of people just want to keep plowing on or like, Oh, what if I create another LinkedIn profile? And LinkedIn is pretty good at detecting those duplicate profiles. And that's really against their terms of service. 
So whenever someone comes to me and says, hey, I've gotten restricted, how should I deal with this going forward? I always just tell them to double down on my main philosophies, which is just reach out to people in a manner that's mutually beneficial for both of you. Say something personal when you reach out to them. Mention something that makes it obvious that you're not going to just sell them something and that you do care about actually building relationships with people. Just like when you walk into a used car lot and you can tell that the guy in his tweed jacket is just trying to get you into the, the car that's going to make him the most in commission. <laughs> people can smell that when you're yeah. reaching out to them and you're trying to slyly get your pitch in there. And I, I just don't think that's the best approach. I, I am so in agreement with you. I, 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 it is about the relationships and you miss out on so much, not the least of which is the person might actually be just a really good connection to have. But if you're pitching them and trying to sell them something and you turn them off, you'll never know that. Yeah. You know? And one thing I always tell people is that the two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. There's definitely times where a good pitch is well-received. I've seen this hundreds of thousands of times in my career. Some people just have this, you know, personality where they don't want to go back and forth and have a long conversation to realize that this person is a good fit. You sell what they need and letting them know that isn't always a faux pas. But the thing is, if you reach out and just pitch people out, out of the gate, you often lose the opportunity to have any form of a conversation. Right. Whereas if you reach out in a more personal manner, you try to build that relationship, and then you realize, hey, this person, you know, one, they really need what we sell. They've even been talking about it. And two, I can tell that this guy or this girl is just a pragmatic person. They're not going to take offense to this. You can start off the conversation in an organic way and then realize, hey, we're a perfect fit for each other. Here's what I think would be a good idea for us to explore. Why don't we carve out a time to do that? But if that's your only method, you're going about it in the wrong way. Yeah, right. Right. And it sounds to me like people should be erring on the side of being a value and relationship building. And then if and when they come across someone that they get that read from, they can take action, but that should not be their main method. Exactly. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So, um, so we're in the middle of this pandemic and you said earlier that, um, you know, because our traditional methods of, of networking have changed that this becomes even more valuable. I completely agree with you. Um, how do you see, well, I have two questions for you. One is, do you have a sense of how outbound lead generation is, is moving forward and like the direction that it's going in? I'll ask that question first, then I'll ask my other one because they're not related to each other. <laughs> so I, I do. Uh, the, the hot buzzword of the past year or two has been social selling. And some people are doing this well, but most people are just spamming and calling it social selling. And that's really not the intent that we want to go for here. So when COVID really hit, and what I mean, you know, it really started to become a big deal and people started losing their jobs and 
clients started canceling to cut back on spending and things like that. I saw one of two things happening from most companies. From some companies, especially the ones, unfortunately, who were hit the hardest by all of this, they doubled down on just trying to get more volume out there into people's inboxes rather than trying to actually start more relationships. And it's really disappointing to see because that's not resonating with people right now. Obviously, the situation is a little bit better these days in terms of the virus and the economy than it was in, say, March or so. But we're still not recovered. And a lot of people are still holding back on spending. And just trying to plow through and say, buy my stuff is not a great approach anymore. On the other hand, some companies are doing this really well. And the whole philosophy that I've been pushing is even more relevant here in the times of the pandemic, because you're establishing yourself as a, a thought leader and as somebody who's willing to help. And you remember when the, the stimulus checks came out and especially the ones for, the, for businesses, the SBA loans, and there were companies like Shake Shack who, who took them and took millions of dollars and people were furious about this. And people were saying, I'm never going to eat at that restaurant again, or I don't support the Lakers anymore because they took this amount of money. And the opposite happens with people who took a good approach and tried to help people. I personally ran a free five-week group for everyone in my network who wanted to join along with us and learn all of the things that we do in our agency so I could just give back to the community and help them out. And the thing about that is, People may not have money to buy from you right now, but just like they remember the companies who didn't do good by their customers or just didn't do the good and honorable thing during these times, they do remember the people who tried to help and selflessly put themselves out there. And if you can be doing that as a main element of your campaigns, that's good in normal times, but that's great in these times where people are struggling. They need help. They don't necessarily have money to hire people, but they're going to look to people who have already figured out the problems that they're trying to solve and are putting the answers out there because those companies are going to get to a point where they've started to solve these problems on their own. They're now making a bit more money again. And they realize we don't have time to be in the thick of things all the time. Things are getting better. Let's go hire that person who helped us do it. You know, maybe not directly, but in terms of sharing content and putting valuable information out there that companies can utilize, those are going to be the people who are remembered after this all blows over and are going to be the ones that really earn dividends from doing so. It's not a strategy that always pays off today, but I am not a fan of only focusing on business strategies that are going to pay off today. That's, you know, it's, it's hard for companies that do need to make payroll today and they just need to get out there and scramble. And that's why you see a lot of this poor behavior going on. But the companies who do have a little bit more of a, a cash reserve or a long-term vision will be the ones who come out the other side of this as better positioned than their competitors. Yeah, boy, I, that, I completely agree with you. It, it's really, really interesting. Which actually leads me to my next question, which is to talk about this thought leadership thing. So there are certain industries where I think people totally get it, like my industry, your industry, where we know the importance of being a thought leader and we know how to do that. You know, writing articles, doing videos, holding 
webinars, things like that. But for someone who, um, you know, that, that they're used to selling a product or like a different kind of service, like extermination services or whatever, and they're trying, they're, they're getting ready to start developing themselves as a thought leader. Can you give them some ideas of like different things they can be doing? or ways of thinking about it so that they can go out there and make it happen. Yeah, so the biggest advice that I have for people is to not post content in a vacuum. Uh, so what I mean by this is when I post things on LinkedIn, I almost never talk about lead generation because people are gonna get tired of hearing me talk about lead generation and talk about LinkedIn all the time. And everybody knows that I do that or they can find out that I do that by clicking through to my profile. So I try to talk about things that are tangentially related to what I do. And I advise companies, especially like in, in your example, extermination companies, no one wants to go through their LinkedIn feed and learn about how to kill a cockroach. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I recommend them to talk about other things, you know, maybe software that they're using in their business that's helping them to serve their customers better. Things like that where they can bring in people's interest because they're talking about something that's a little bit of interest to everybody, but then people click through. And I view everyone's LinkedIn profile as a, a landing page. It should be optimized for traffic. And once you start driving more traffic to it, the better optimized it is, the higher your conversion rate will be. So the first thing is, is exactly that. I recommend people to find tangentially related topics that you can post on forever that won't get people bored, right? No one wants the SEO guy to be talking about SEO all the time. It's, it's boring. Uh, <laughs> the second thing is I really recommend for them to utilize the algorithm of LinkedIn's newsfeed. And you can get a lot of reach by growing your network and then posting things to your newsfeed. And I think one of the best use cases for this is not just to gain interest and bring people into your, onto your profile and get them to contact you, because it's obviously a lot easier to close a sale when an interested customer is coming to you rather than when you're reaching out to them and trying to sell them something. So that's good for one thing, but I think it also helps to bring in a higher quality customer as well. So anyone who comes from the, the service industry, particularly marketing services or anything like that, has experienced not just once, but probably dozens of times where they bring on a customer, the person is paying them pretty well because they're the expert. And then immediately after onboarding ends, the customer says, yeah, 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 I don't care about your process. You got to do it my way. And that's such a difficult scenario to be in as a service provider because you spent time creating all your processes and you know putting things in place so you can actually get your customers good results. Then they want to hire you to do it their way. And oftentimes the results are lackluster and everybody leaves with a bad taste in their mouth of the relationship. And I'm pretty sure every service provider has experienced that multiple times. When you start by bringing customers in by having them be exposed to you and your thoughts your thought leader style content, your philosophies on business, people are actually coming in because they want to hire you and your company for the philosophies and the way that you do things. So it creates a much better working relationship because people respect the process more. They're less likely to say, okay, cool. Yeah. You guys are the experts, but I still want to do things my way. Cause I know better than you and I'm the one paying you. So you got to listen to me. People start to come in and say, Hey, I've been following your, 
your stuff here on LinkedIn. I've been following what you do. I really agree with your approach to X. I want to hire you and give you guys free reign to just have at it. And that makes the working relationship so much better for everybody. Boy, no kidding. Yeah, that's so great. Thank you for that. That that was some great input. And I love this whole thing about the LinkedIn algorithm. I didn't realize that um, that's how all that was working. So that's, um, boy, I mean, this has just been some really valuable information. I really appreciate it, Dana. So will you tell the listeners um, about uh, Legendary Lead Gen and how they can find you and all that good stuff, please? Sure. Uh, so we actually run two lead generation companies. One of them is quite new within the past few weeks. Uh, so we have legendaryleadgen.com. This is our full service agency where we help generally other B2B service companies, but specifically marketing agencies to set up campaigns, get in touch with people in their target market, strategize everything for them, write the copy for them, help them to personalize these things and help them to set sales appointments. And sometimes not sales appointments, but just to create these relationships with people in their target market who will help them to grow their business. So that's what we do on the one side. And kind of out of this whole pandemic, we decided to launch another company, which is called leadbytes.com. And this is a much more stripped down version of, of what we normally do. It's uh, much cheaper as well. And it's meant for people who already have a strategy in mind. They already have some copy. They're not going to rely on us for those strategic elements of things, but they just need a tactical person to do the heavy lifting. So for an unlimited, uh, for a flat fee, we do an unlimited number of lead generation based tasks, like helping you go into your LinkedIn and identify people based on your criteria who are going to be good fits, because this is the most time consuming part of any lead generation process is simply identifying these people. And we of course have the philosophy that you don't want to just reach out to anybody. You want to make sure that they're fit. So either of those two companies are a great place to get in touch with me. Uh, we have contact forms on both of them. If you want to get in touch and ask me questions, I always make myself available to give people a, you know, a quick LinkedIn profile review to tell them how they can optimize their profile for the traffic that's coming there. I usually do a quick loom video if people get in touch with me. And then of course, LinkedIn is a natural place to get in touch with me as well. I don't just accept most connection requests without a message. So if you do want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just say that you heard me on the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast and I'll accept. And uh, my name can be a little bit difficult to, to spell just by hearing it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you can probably copy and paste it into LinkedIn and you'll definitely find me. I'm the, the blonde guy with a big smile on my face. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. I, I really appreciate this. And I, and I want to let the listeners know that um, you are currently in Mexico City. Did you get stuck there because of the pandemic? A little bit. Um, I had been here before. Uh, my wife and I have been living here for a little while. My wife is actually from Bali. And that's a great place. I, I lived in Bali for about five years or so when I was from the age of like 21 to 25. And it's an incredible place. Uh, the, the Indonesian passport is not too strong for traveling on. 
my wife and I, we were trying to move to the US. We were trying to do the whole green card process and we were planning to move to New York City this year, which I think that's kind of not in our plans anymore at this point <laughs> after how everything has gone in New York so far this year. Um, but it's kind of difficult to be living in Bali and having a lot of customers that are in the US. The time zones are completely opposite and I don't like starting work at 10 in the evening. So we've been here in Mexico as kind of a third country where we could both be together, but I can also be on the same time zone as my customers. We actually had our green card interview for March 30th. And on March 20th, they postponed it indefinitely because they closed the consulate. So now we are kind of stuck here uh, until further notice. And I mean, it's okay, I'm, I'm fine with it. But uh, yeah, we are a bit stuck in Mexico City right now. If you can hear some background noises and stuff, it's just noises of the city outside of my window. Which are so great. And, and before we started recording, um, I had the benefit of you explaining to me, you know, what those were and how that works. And it just sounds like such a rich um, environment to be in. But for those listening, uh, it is also part of um, how, how things go now, you know, that sometimes there, there is uh, background noise that you just can't do anything about. But I actually ended up enjoying hearing them because I knew what they were so <laughs> yeah I think it's a lot more acceptable these days to have some some background noise with everybody working from home and not everybody has a, a perfect home office set up so I've been on several zoom calls in the past several months where you know everything is perfectly professional and then all of a sudden something happens in the background <laughs> <laughs> I know I know it is really something uh, but we're all figuring it out, so so it is good. So, um, Dana, again, thank you. I would like to also uh, thank listeners. You are who we are doing this for, as well as audible.com. Head on over to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth and sign up for your um, free trial and check out all of the incredible content that is available to you. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts From a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, 
personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.